Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. If you would like some more information about us, please visit adventurechurch.co.za. We hope that you will enjoy today's message. Okay, so uh, I've headed up my testimony, your life through the eyes of your father, because that's that's what's been going on with me, is I've been... Asking, I've been seeing my life and I'm trying to see it from his point of view because when I was seeing it from my own point of view, I was in a terrible place of absolute darkness. Um, so we, uh, and you've all heard the stories of the COVID where we've lost, lost four family members in the space of six months. One after the other died and it was very, very close family members. My sister-in-law, who was like a sister to me, my ex-husband, who we became all good friends, and Nick, Nick's dad, obviously, and Bob's dad. And um, my mom, and then uh, six months later, my granddaughter, who was eight years old and, and died of COVID. So the three deaths were something you can handle. It's something you sort of understand, but her death, uh, her death did something different to me. It changed my process. I, I was angry at God, and and I was saying to him, well, I don't know if I can trust you. And to lose that, there's nothing worse. There's no feeling that I can describe that's worse because it separated me from him. And for the first time in my life, I realized what separation from God meant. I never knew that before until I was separated from him. And when I found myself in that dark place, I'm not ashamed to say it and I'll say it publicly, I was suicidal. I said, there's no point to this life. It's, it's, there's no point. If I can't trust him who I've based everything on, where, where am I? What am I? So that's, that's what happened. And a lot of families have lost people du- during COVID. So there's a lot of, there was a lot of people that have been suffering. I spoke to a woman the other day. She lost her, um, her husband, her, her daughter, and was it a son and a mother also? In, in a space of a, a period of time. So there's a lot of people that we don't know that have been really, um, the devil set in and the devil has really come in and really destroyed. So um, next slide, John. Where's John? John. <laughs> okay. So this is uh, a slide that's of a baby that's in the womb. God has plans, even for babies that were in a womb that weren't born. God has plans for them because it's, it says, for you, for you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonder, wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. So even if a baby was conceived but wasn't born, it's in, that baby is in heaven and God is raising it. There's plans and there's purposes over that child's life. It's plans and purposes over all our lives. Not one of us is is a mistake. Okay, next slide. He loves you. He knows how many hairs are on your head. Okay, you can click again, John. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. You saw my, my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. That is very, very powerful because that is the relationship that we have with him. So that whatever's, whatever, whatever's happened, whatever can happen, 
He's got this under control. He has a relationship with us. From, from, from when we were conceived, he has a relationship. He's, ha he's got his hand on us. He's watching over us. Okay, so you now we can go, still not change it. We can still go back to that slide. So what, what, what I wanted to talk to you today about was identity. Yeah. If we can grasp that, that, he's, that he, he created us and that he knows exactly once, once we are, we are there, he, he's in control. He knows exactly what he's doing. The question is, do we know what our identity in him is? So I'll tell you this little story about this guy. Um, this is my analogy, and this is how I got to understand the identity, is this guy owns a Maserati, or a Ferrari, or Lambo, whatever, and something happens in his house overnight, so he gets a leak and he can't get hold of a contractor, so he's got to fix it. So he puts on his old T-shirt, and he puts on his old broken pants, and his flip-flops, and off he goes to the hardware store to buy some paint or some supplies. He gets the hardware store, pays it, and on his way out, he's walking past, and he gets past, he sees a Ferrari shop, and he decides to go in in his paint-stained shirt and his broken jeans and his flip-flops. But when he walks into that Ferrari place, he doesn't walk in like, maybe he's looking a little bit like a hobo. He doesn't walk in like a hobo. He walks in because he knows, I'm a director of a company, I'm in management meetings, I'm a successful man, I've got a big house and a fancy car, which we judge success in, our, in, in modern terms, but he's a successful guy. And when he walks in, he knows, I'm a director, I'm quite well off. And he goes to the guy and says, I'm interested in that Ferrari. How they react to him is completely insignificant. It's who he is that's significant. And that's how we have to see ourselves, as the sons and the daughters of the living king. We are not, and Nick said it last week, he said, confidence without humility is arrogance. Humility without confidence is insecurity. And that's when Jesus, when he was walking on this earth, and he was man, and he was God, he, he didn't throw his weight around because he knew, I'm God. My father sent me here. I know who I am. He never doubted who he was. He didn't have to come with a whole accolade of, things that we see success. He knew exactly who he was, and we need to get and grasp our identity. That's, that's the key to what happened to me. Once I, got, once I figured out my identity, then I, the healing process began. So the next one, we age, we have birthdays. This is the cycle of, of life. Next one, um, there's a cute little, cute little kid. Um, <laughs> He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. Okay? He's with us. He never moves away from us. I remember my last uh, time that I saw Haley. it was a month before she died, she said to me, can we do, um, um, I was doing Sunday school, so I went into the, the room where they were, and I said, we're going to do Sunday school, and they were quite impressed, and I did this thing where you tear the cross, and she was quite impressed with this. And then I did that, that uh, little Sunday school lesson where I told her how God will never leave you, will never forsake you when he's got you in his hand. And then I took her by her hand like that and I said, hold on to my hand and hold on to my hand tight. And then I let her go down and she held on and I held on. I said, see, you didn't fall because you were holding on. I said, but now I don't want you to hold on. I want you to trust me and just let me hold you. And she did. And I put her down like this onto the ground and I pulled up and I said, you see, when God has you in his hand, 
He never lets you go. He'll never let you fall. He'll never let you get hurt. And she was very impressed with this. Later on that day, she came and she sat with me on, on my knee on the bed and she said to me, Granny Merle, please tell me, you were talking about heaven and you were talking about God never leaving me. What is heaven like? And I explained to her and I said, heaven is, you know, Haley, how you love National Geographic? I mean, for an eight-year-old, she could sit in front of the TV and watch scorpions and ladybugs and all sorts of things, and she loved it. I said, you know, when you see those videos of swimming in the ocean, I said, imagine if you could swim in the ocean and you didn't have to have snorkels. Or imagine watching a lion and a lamb sitting together, no death, no crying. And I went into detail about how I picture heaven, being in the presence of the Almighty God. No sin, no sorrow, no pain, nothing, nothing. And I said to her, can you imagine that? And she looked at me and she said, Granny Merle, that must be so loud we could go. She said that to me. And she said to me, I would just love to be there. And I said, my baby, you have to wait for your turn. Exactly, I checked on my calendar that day when I did that sermon. Exactly a month later, she died of COVID in, in her brain. And she went to that place. We were left here behind, and so that wasn't a good place to be, because now we missed her. She's in heaven. I can see when I get to heaven one day, she'll be standing with her hands like this, saying, I beat you, I got you first, because everything was, was a comp competition with her. But I know without a shadow of a doubt that she was saved. And we have to know that our children are saved, our children are saved. John took a photograph this morning, sitting watching this year. Was a, was a magnificent thing to see all of them sitting there with Ruth. I mean, it's, 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 it makes my heart sing to see children in children's ministry and be watching the leadership come through, like with, with Matt. And, you know, you see, you see leadership and you see... And there's so many children that I taught years ago that today, I mean, we've had um, people come and preach here that I used to teach them in children's church. Today they run, they run in churches. God is good. God is a good God, and we have to get that in our hearts. Even when terrible things like this happen, God is good. That is it. There's, no, there's nothing else to think about. He's good. Whatever he's done, however he's done it, he's good. Okay, more birth, um, next one, more birthday candles. Okay, so I remember the good old days. I remember doing things. Rich, sorry, I left you out of this one. Um, we've got another brother that lives in Australia, and he used to come in to my bedroom in the mornings on school holidays, and we were very, very, very close. And then he used to take his, um, you know, these bobby socks, and he used to put them on and tuck his pants in, like we used to look like traffic cops. Then he used to come in, he used to at six o'clock in the morning and say, let's go and pl play on the coal bags. And in those days, they used to deliver coal bags, and they used to, guys used to come with their sacks on their back, go into the coal bin, and pile up this bin that we had at the back of the house with coal. And what I had to get out of bed for at 6 o'clock in the morning and tuck my socks in was to go and climb on those coal, back, coal things up and down, up and down on the coal and slip and up and down. And we used to come inside and we were like covered in, in coal dust. But those, those were the days. That was just yesterday. That was just yesterday. We used to make kites. We used to go to a hardware store. It wasn't like big um, hypermarkets and places. We used to go and make kites and put our own little things on and fly them and make pom-poms. And we used to buy cake from the bakery and pies from the bakery. And that was just for me. It was just the other day. And now I'm standing here. Yeah? Now we can do the next one. 
Now, you grow up, you become an adult, and you guys will know. Kai, you will know. You know, you're planning to finish school. You're planning to buy your new car. I remember Bob, uh, his dad, getting him a little car. They fixed it up together. It was a Beetle. They painted it together. And then what happened to the car? It was a short, and the car, <laughs> the car burnt. The car burnt down. And, but those are, those are the fun days, and you have dreams. And you've got, you've got, you've got dreams, Kai. You know what you want to study. You know what you want to do. You're probably thinking about... Uh, you know, who you're going to marry and how many kids you're going to have. Those are, those are, that's exciting times, but that's a cycle of life. We have birthdays, we get to that point, then we can change it to the next one. We have moments of extreme happiness. When I saw that picture, I thought of Nick because that just looks like Nick. It's not you, Nick, not like the motorbike that I put on that I thought was you on my profile picture and it wasn't you, it was somebody else. <laughs> and he had to say, Mom, you know that profile picture that you've got of me and Bob? Well, it's Bob and three of his friends. It's got nothing to do with me. <laughs> this one's, Nick, I'm telling you, it's not you. It's just a photo that reminds me of you. And he loves the sea. He's got a lust for life. Shonaiki, you know, if you go to the clubhouse and you buy her Oreos uh, ice cream, <laughs> she gets beside herself. There's joy. There's happiness. There's things in this. And then the Bible says, so I commend, I commend the enjoyment of life because there's nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat and drink and be glad. <laughs> yes. Then joy will accompany them in their toil all the days of the life that God has given them under the sun. So it's not, nothing wrong with being happy and doing fun things. And me, I go in the granny pool with Kayla and Libby. I've got a video there of being in the, and standing under and waiting for those waves to come and nearly knock us out. It's fun. It's supposed to be. We're supposed to be happy. We're not supposed to be miserable all the time. God didn't intend us to be miserable all the time. I was in misery, and I thought, how am I ever going to get out of this misery? Where am I going to get out of this terrible, terrible place that I'm in? And then, um, next one. It's, I'm going pretty fast now. Next one. Uh, okay, not, uh, sorry, did I tell you next one, next one, and then I confused myself and you. Okay. Our own families. No, the one before that, John. Our own families, you uh, get married, you have your own family, you have your own dreams. And then what do we do? We live to, to survive. We live to make enough money. We focus on, 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 um, on having enough money to provide. That's what life becomes because we've got to look after our kids. Then we go, get old. That's the next one, John. Uh, the grey hair. Grey hair and even to your old age. I am he and to grey hairs. I will carry you. Wow. Hey, even, even in your old age, you've got aches, you've got pains, you're starting insignificant, your children now are married, and it's, I'm talking, this is my testimony. So you do, you get to that point, and you think, what's the purpose of this? And then the next one, sorrow. You get sad when somebody dies, and we've been through that sadness. And over here, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have, wouldn't have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. That's a powerful thing. Jesus wept. When Haley died, he wasn't a God who didn't, I, I trust you to let me down. He wept. He wept. He saw me suffering. He saw me in this pain, in the sadness, and he wept with me. He wept for me. He wept. He didn't raise her from the dead. Lazarus is still dead. Lazarus died. Eventually, Lazarus died because death is part and parcel 
of what we've got to go through. And we must mourn and we must be sad. He was sad. But death is not the end of the story. Next one. Okay, that's me in probably 50 years' time, I would say. Not, <laughs> not any time soon. But my mom had dementia. So this is a woman that could sew, could knit, and all she used to sit was sit and take a wool and make jumbles of it. And we didn't understand, how can this be, Lord? How can this be? How does this happen? And yet, even in that, in that place of dementia, she prayed. She used to sit and she used to say, the Lord is my shepherd. And she, she said it word for word. She prayed when we went on aeroplanes from, like Nick said, uh, one day from constipation, against constipation, against diarrhea. She covered everything in her prayers. She was a woman that prayed. Even in her state of dementia, she prayed. She had a relationship with, with him. And the one thing she always used to pray, and I'll never forget it, she used to say, Sweet Jesus, I thee adore. Help me to love thee more and more. That's a powerful prayer. Because sometimes I wonder, do we love him enough? Do we love him enough? Okay, and the next one, John. Okay, and now for the good news. That doesn't look like good news when you look at it. It doesn't look like good news, but it's good news. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And it's funny, I know I'm t preaching to uh, people here that I'm telling you guys, and you all know this, you know this, I mean you all know this, but there's people out there who do not know this, and that's, that's what God has revealed to me in, in my sadness and in my sorrow. Uh, yesterday Didi and I went and we were, we were talking to a, a guy who also just lost his, 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 his son, and he's completely on the wrong, on the wrong track about where his son, how his son is going to come back and come back and it is a lost and a broken world out there. Okay, the next one, John. Because he's Lord and Saviour of our lives, we cannot die, but there are people out there that's dying. And again, that's God's laid that on my heart. There are people, there's a job to be done. We are still here, we are alive. Even in our grief, there's still things that need to be done. Okay, the next one, John. Okay, and this is, this is the beauty of it. So you've got the whole beach. I can just go back one. This is the whole beach. And this is something I've used so often to explain to, to people, no, just uh, to the beach. So if you look at all the sand on the seashore and there's so much sand on the seashore, and we, we panic about this life and the sorrow that we're in or the loss that we've had or we hang on to this life and this life becomes so important and now you can show this is a, one grain of sand. This is what our life is in comparison with eternity. So I saw this on Instagram the other day and this, I thought this is a, was such a good analogy. I mean, this is our life. So here we live, here we are born, here we have kids, here we do this, 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 and maybe we get to be old but here, we're always worrying about here, our retirement, and how are we going to survive here? What's going to happen here? And then, um, that can just go on endlessly. This is the eternity. This is the part that we should be worrying about. So when we focus in on all these things here, this is the life that we've still got to live. 
And this just goes on and on and on. And that is another, another wake-up wake call. Okay, next, next one, we're coming to the end now. This is, what, what are we focused on? He will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. We are living now to go into a new life where we're going to reign on this planet for a thousand years. We, we have to prepare ourselves now for the big picture. Our rewards are not on, are here on earth. Our treasures are not here on earth. Our reward is in heaven for what we, what we have accomplished. How many people have we introduced to Jesus Christ? How many people, have we, how many people are dying with, without knowing who, who is? Then we've got the last slide. It's the ultimate goal and our mandate. And Jesus came and said to them, if, you, if all authority in heaven and earth have been given to me. Go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to, to observe all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So our only aim should be on how we're living for him, for, for no other reason. But are we, are we living for him? And Nick's been preaching on Acts about going out, about the mandate. We have a mandate. And we have to honour that mandate. Time is short. People are dying without knowing him. It's, a, it's sort of like a, a race that we're running, but it's almost like we've got to get up and we've got to get a move on. Okay, the last one. This is a prayer, a prayer of Francis of Sissi. He was a guy that loved animals and looked after animals. And I just want to read it. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. So that's, that's, that's what I wanted to say is that we have to focus on, on, the, on eternity and we have to focus on why, the reasons why we're still here. We still have a race to run.